0: Greetings, everyone, uh, welcome to the Andy Social Podcast, my name is Andy and uh, welcome to the people that are listening for the first time. I could not think of a better time to uh, join in on the fun, a couple of great guests to kick things back into full swing, we've had some some breaks uh, previously so it's uh, great to see um, at least from my perspective anyway, that uh, the podcast is still going and, uh, we've, we've definitely kicked it, kicked it up a notch, which is great. Um, and if you've been listening long-term, thank you so much as always for tuning in, listening and supporting in the various ways. Speaking of which very quickly, Amazon, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to andysocial.net and click on the Amazon portal link. If you are a regular shopper on Amazon, you'll notice that your shopping experience does not change whatsoever apart from clicking on a different link. What then happens is once you order something, I'll get a very small amount or a percentage of what you order. What this does is those few dollars will help fund this podcast. So I've got little monthly expenses and and whatnot to keep this podcast up and running. Uh, It also helps me uh, get around the place and talk to people. Uh, Lots of great plans for 2017. I'm really looking forward to taking this to the next level. Uh, so, um, all these, uh, these little things help quite a bit. So thank you so much for the people that uh, do regularly shop on Amazon and been using the portal link. So you can go to Andysocial.net and do a right click on the portal link and save that link into your toolbar. So you don't have to keep going to my website every time you want to shop on Amazon but it is there. And uh, so so it's a massive, massive help for me. So thank you so much to those people. If uh, you're not interested in doing that, the best thing that you can do if you do want to support the podcast is just spreading the word. All these episodes are not only on iTunes, but they're on Stitcher, they're on YouTube. Um, The YouTube links are probably the best way to share this stuff around. So if you want to get someone into the podcast or people that aren't familiar with the podcast world, um, There's uh, plenty of episodes there to, I guess, so to speak, break them in to what this is all about. But, you know, the usual social media stuff, liking, commenting, sharing, you know, the usual stuff. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, let's move along. I'll I'll wrap that up uh, later on at the end of the podcast itself. And I know I'm boring you guys senseless. So last week we spoke with Carmine Appesee. This week we're speaking with Vinny Appesee, his brother. The uh, story behind these two podcast episodes is that in February, the Appersee Brothers are coming to Australia for their Drum Wars shows, part of their Drum Wars tour. Now, what this is, is them both on stage together, battling it out on their respective drum kits. They're both accomplished drummers, and that's really speaking lightly. These guys have been around for decades. They've played with absolutely anyone and everyone that you can possibly think of in the rock and metal world. Uh, Vinny this week, um, who I spoke to um most known for his time in Black Sabbath and with uh, Dio, um, amongst a, a whole range of other things. And in fact, he even played on some John Lennon recordings in the 70s as well, which we speak about in this episode. Really, really cool and an amazing drummer. Someone that I've actually looked up to uh, for quite a number of years, especially being such a massive Dio fan. So it was uh, very surreal to talk to Vinnie um and just relive some of these memories that he's had, and I really tried hard not to go into the stock standard um, questions that these guys would have been asked a million times over the years. I tried to go down a different path, and keeping in in tune with what this podcast is about. And for those that don't know, the podcast is about me. I guess learning from other people. I want to be a better person, as I'm sure we all do, and. If I can speak to people from different walks of life, whether it be from the music industry or other industries and other backgrounds, I learn something from those conversations. Whether it be a new perspective on life, a philosophy, um, whether it be some sort of skill set or just a bit of learning that I that I wasn't aware of prior. So it's it's a bit selfish. It's a bit for me, but uh, the. The bonus to this is that I can share these conversations with you all as well. And hopefully, you're all taking something from this. Uh, so, this is, I've really made an effort to try and ask a few different questions and, and spin them in a different uh, way with Vinny. And I, I'm quite happy with the way that the episode uh, came out. So, I'm hoping you guys enjoy it too. Um, now, plugging the tour, I will do this at the end of the podcast as well. But very quickly, if you are in Australia, especially in Sydney or Melbourne, or if you're interested and you live anywhere in the country, the tour is in Sydney. Sydney. Sydney, and Melbourne in uh, mid-February. So uh, there's two shows and two drum clinics. So we've got a a clinic and a show in Sydney and then a a show and a clinic in Melbourne in that order. So uh, very quickly, Thursday, February 16th at the Factory Theatre is the drum clinic. And then the following night, Friday, February 17th at the same venue, the Factory Theatre will be the Drum Wars show. On Saturday, February 18th, will be the show, the Drum Wars show at Max Watts. And then Sunday, February 19th in Melbourne, will be the Drum Clinic, which will be at Croxton Park. Now, I didn't mention this, and if you didn't listen to the previous episode, I'll mention it right now. The link that I have with this is that I've been asked to be the bass player for these shows, which is quite surreal. Um, I'm extremely honoured and uh, blown away that uh, I was approached and... Um, it's going to be really cool. And uh, to make things even better, we've got Mike Mills from Toe Hider, who's going to be on guitar as well. This is really cool because not only have I known Mike for quite a few years, but Mike and I have played together and, in fact, have actually done a Dio tribute show. Uh, it was about a year after Ronnie's passing where we played a lot of Dio stuff. Um together. So we've already got some ex- existing chemistry and um, I think that'll make things a lot easier and will be um, add a new dynamic to this tour. So we're really looking forward to being a part of it. We'll be selling tickets, but if you want to grab some tickets straight away, go to hardlinemedia.net. There's also meet and greet uh packages available as well on there. So all your details are there. I'll mention it at the end of the episode. I am blabbing on and on and on, but you guys are used to it. Enough talking. Please enjoy this episode with Vinny Apesin. Um, So, there's a question that I asked Carmine yesterday, and I'm going to ask you as well. I'll see what uh, sort of answer you give as opposed to him. You've both had really long careers, and even now, you're still involved in a whole range of different projects, including Drum Wars. Do you have a secret to your or mm-hmm. a special approach to your longevity? To, because there's so many musicians over the years that come and go. Some only last a couple of years and they disappear. But to be able to continue to do what you're doing after several decades, is there a particular approach or anything that you kept in mind or
1: a philosophy? Well, that's a good that's a good point. And um, I think we can say that, first of all, you have to be uh, pretty good, you know, <laughs> on your instrument, and uh, or, or really good from something special, you know. So that would come down to, to like every time I play, no matter who's in the audience or how big a place we're playing, I'm playing at 110% all the time from my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love playing, I love what I do. So that's always there. I think the other important couple of things are you got to be healthy, especially for a long career like this. Um, stay healthy. I mean, both of us never got into heavy drugs or any drugs really. And, uh, you know, we always stayed healthy and we are always, uh, reliable Mm. when, you know, we're in the project or something. Somebody calls, you know, we're there, um, we're always in communication, easy easy to get a hold of. There's a project that comes up, you know. Uh, a great example of that is uh, in my career a long time ago was, uh, you know, sitting at home one day and I was going to repair some of the lawn sprinklers in my house mm-hmm. outside. I live in California. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll go to Home Depot, a big, giant store here, and go get some parts and stuff. And then the phone rings and they Sharon Osbourne. And she says, hi, Vinay. this is Sharon. Yes, can you come to London, play with the band? I said, sure. When do you want me to come? Just today. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I'm there. You know, let me make the arrangements. And then four hours later, I was on a plane to London. So uh, they go play with Sabbath, the first reunion they ever did, you know? Yeah. So it's things like that where you have to be available. You have to be uh, ready to, to, to go on the drop of a hat you know and then uh be, be able to be reached you know because if i didn't answer the phone or didn't respond it would have been somebody else that went you know yeah I, obviously i was the first voice but so it's things like that you know be good be a great player and always play from your heart believe in what you're doing in the music and then uh, healthy stay healthy and then um always being communication, you know, and networking and things like that. Yeah, so, absolutely. And the other thing with me and Carmine is, one thing we have in common is we both never stop mm-hmm. from when we started. And that keeps you strong. It keeps you road. It's like a road warrior. It keeps you okay. in shape. It's not like, you know, we stopped for five years and got fat. Then I want to get back into it and join another band. We never stopped. Project after band after band after project. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe since 1970. Six is when I really started professionally, you know, so, and even before that, I never stopped, so I never stopped playing, so I'm really strong, and that's a key in a long career, you know, just don't stop.
0: Yeah, that's perfect, and one question that I do have about, especially right back at the beginning, one, one thing that I always, especially see with musicians coming through now, it's a completely different world than what it was, I assume, back in the early 70s. <laughs> how did you get your name out there to begin with? Cause I know that you did some recordings with John Lennon right sort of back in the early days. How did, how did you get your name out there so people knew who you were and could be contacted? Cause after a while, obviously you would have a reputation and a profile and people would come to you, but initially you would have had to hustle quite a bit. Um,
1: well, see, that's, that's the thing with networking, like, you know, having a lot of connections and meeting different people. Uh, I had a band in Brooklyn, New York and my friend Angelo was, playing bass in the uh, in the band he's he, angelo wound up being the the sound man and recording engineer for dio and all the early records and uh and being live sound man for status too so he was my best friend and uh, so he introduced me to this guitar player joey damber it was his name and we had a band together we had gotten four horn players we were like a really cool like funk rock band mm. and he knew the guitar player knew jimmy Ivey who worked at that time at the record plant as a producer he was producing stevie nicks and bruce springsteen bruce was just recording his first album there and uh, so he was doing john lennon mm-hmm. and uh So we got into the studio and did some demos, and the owner of the Record Plan Studios loved us. He signed us to a management deal, and uh, he gave us a room in the Record Plan Studios up on the top floor to rehearse anytime we wanted. It was our room. So we moved all our gear there, and we'd rehearse every night. So one night, Jimmy called and said, "Uh, hey, can you guys come down and do some hand claps for this session? We said, sure. There was nine of us, you know. So we came down to the studio, and we look in, and there's John Lennon in the controller. We go, oh, shit. <laughs> I was, like, 16 years old. And I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, John Lennon. So we did hand claps on the song, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. Wow. You know, So when, that's me and my band doing hand claps. Then we went upstairs to our room. We were freaking out. And uh, John probably asked Jimmy, who the heck was that? Who was that? And Jimmy explained, that's the band I'm producing, and blah, blah, blah. And they are upstairs. So a couple of days later, John came to our rehearsal, walks in to see us. And uh, he liked the band. And uh, and from then on, he used to come up a lot. We played pool with him and hung out with him. And then he asked us to do uh, three videos with him because uh, we were right there. It was easy to do. So we did that. Then he asked us to do this live gig at the New York Hilton Hotel, which is going to be televised on TV around the world. And uh, so he picked us to to, to be his backup then and then i find out a couple of years ago that that was his last live appearance ever right wow so i mean talk about like wow yeah i got to play with john landing <laughs> <laughs> and it was his last game. holy shit so that's perfect example of meeting people you know being there at the right time i mean what if we didn't rehearse that night absolutely you know if we didn't rehearse that night and jimmy goes oh, i need some hand claps let me uh we some people in the hall, mm. you know. We wouldn't have met. We wouldn't have met John Lennon. We wouldn't have been doing these gigs with him and uh, the whole thing. It's just amazing. And what a way to start things like that.
0: Yeah, and what a way to start out, you know, this long career is that you you start at such a high point straight away. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. pretty pretty. See, the other
1: thing was I never. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's unbelievable. starting there, and I didn't treat it as a fan. Mm. Like, I never, which I should have, and I wish I did, asked him for his autograph. You know, I wanted him to feel comfortable around us. Like, yeah, we're, you know, we're your friend, and we're fellow musicians, and, you know, obviously we know who you are. So I never, none of us really, as far as I remember, you know, acted like a fan. We just acted like... Okay, you want us to do the video? Okay, you know, let's work together and blah, blah, blah. As, as professional musicians, you know, I'm but sure he felt comfortable.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he appreciated that. I mean, that's obviously why it worked to the extent that it did.
1: But now I wish I had that autograph.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I mean, you said it before networking. I mean, especially now, I think so many people rely too much on the internet and just contact people in this digital world to try and uh, hook things up and it's, it's important, but I think the whole face-to-face of building relationships with people is just so underrated these days. And I think people need need to take a step back and, and look at, um, you know, where to find opportunities. And sometimes it's just getting out there and talking to people and, and, uh, and then those opportunities may, may pop up.
1: Yeah. Like when I joined, I was asked to join Black Sabbath. It was, uh, they got my number from, I think Warner brothers or something heard because I, back then, At that point, I had a couple albums out with Rick Derringer, so I was getting a little name built up. And then, uh, so for me, uh, I got a phone call from the tour manager, and then he invited me down to come to the hotel and meet Tony, Ione. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Tony wanted to meet me first before saying, yeah, come join the band. You know, Mm -hmm. he wanted to see what kind of personality I had and and blah, blah, blah. So that's important. Uh, Nowadays, the internet, you know who knows what would happen. Yeah, you look, it's wow, he's got a good profile picture and <laughs> uh, that kind of
0: shit. You know? yeah, it's very different. In some ways, it's good, and I think there's a lot of advantages. But I think you still you need that balance. You need to still be able to get out there and and meet people and have that face to face connection. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned exactly. before or just just then about uh, getting the call up for Black Sabbath. Now I've read a bunch of different interviews and I'm pretty sure what happened is you were sort of caught off guard and you had to go and do your first show in Hawaii. So you sort of had a a book through, full of notes of the songs and you had to sort of learn as you go.
1: Yeah, what happened was uh, I met Tony that night. He he invited me down to rehearsal the next day. I went down the next day, met Ronnie, uh, Geezer, and Jeff, the keyboard player. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we played. I didn't know any of the songs. I heard Neon Nights on the radio a couple of weeks before, and I just happened to know it was fast. That's the first song we ever played together. Hmm. But I didn't really know it, but I knew it was the tempo and fast song, so I just wrote along with it. And uh, so we we rehearsed, and then we worked on a couple of things, not long. And then everybody was so happy. Let's go to the pub. Go <laughs> we'll have a drink, you know. So we went. We went to the pub. And that killed some time. And then uh, we went back to rehearse. And then each day we we rehearsed a little bit and went to the pub. Everybody's really happy. But we started to run out of time. We only had four days rehearsing. So um, I was like, oh shit, man, I got to learn all this stuff. So I wrote a cheat book out, you know, with each song, uh, with some musical notations and then things like stop, <laughs> you know, three quarter timing. They counted off in metronome or whatever. So I had all that written in a book in order of the set. Yeah, And then we played Hawaii. You know, I had the book next to me, and then it started sprinkling and raining a little bit. The wind picked up, so the, after about four songs, the book got all wet and all soggy. You couldn't read it. And was like, oh, shit. So now we had to just wing it, you know, from memory and looking at each other, which we did. And we got through it, you know. <laughs> and the book, I signed it and threw it out in the audience. I should have saved that Who knew it was <laughs> part of history, kind of, you know. It's but a, uh, yeah. I threw it in the audience. Yeah. And uh, somebody's got it. I don't know who. <laughs> but that was my book. And,
0: and at least, I mean, I think the big thing when I read that initially was... You know so many people wait until everything lines up perfectly they want to make sure that they can they're they're 100 capable the the all the planets have aligned in the perfect formation before they take that step and dive into something and i think a lot of the time you just need to get in there and just just give it a shot and i think people usually miss out on opportunities because they're too busy worried about having the perfect set of circumstances to be to take on the next uh, you know, task or the next uh, opportunity that comes along.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like rehearsing all the time. You have a band that rehearses all the time, and you go keep playing the songs and playing them. It's really good. And then you keep making some mistakes, and people making mistakes here and there. But once you know you go out and there's that gig, and you got to play, it comes together remarkably well. Like you'll see with us when we rehearse. You know, it'll be you know. Sometimes it might be a little overwhelming, you know, but we'll get through it. And then uh, when we get in front of your audience, it'll be like, "Okay, we're all up here together and uh, <laughs> kick some ass," you know, and it'll work. Well,
0: on yeah. that on that note, I asked this question to Carmine yesterday, and he he gave me um, some an interesting answer. Uh, so, with drum wars, and you've done quite a few shows so far across the across the world, and you played with different yeah. musicians in different places so you've had to go through this uh, process where you've had to come into a setting where you've had to quickly learn or, or gel with another couple of musicians what advice would you give me as the bass player uh to be prepared for either when we get together for that quick rehearsal beforehand or the show itself is there anything that uh any advice that you've got for me personally
1: well obviously learn the songs and uh the most important thing is copping the feel, you know, like we've played with some, so many different people. And some of them are just not, I mean, I come from the metal world, more of the heavy rock, you know, it's not so technical as it is just the feel and the sound of the instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, Jimmy Bain, I played with Jimmy Bain a lot with Theo and he had a lot of clank on the bass and a lot of low end. And, uh, it just felt right. You know, he Mm -hmm. wasn't a, technical bass player mm. you know he'd make mistakes sometimes but it was still it was still that sound and feel that was important so those are the things that will stand out because obviously if you used to playing more progressive music and cleaner sound and those things are going to stick out more than you can know the song perfectly but it just doesn't feel like the song should feel you know but uh, that's just the way it is and then we'll all adjust to it you know Yeah. Cool. so uh, I think that's the important thing is trying to cop the feel and, you know, there's a vibe on the songs, you know, and the VO stuff and there's an attitude. Those things are important as as much as learning the correct notes and stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. sound. Yeah. Stuff. And uh, the good thing about uh, this tour in Australia is that my background with the band that I play in, we're heavily influenced by, I guess, a lot of traditional 80s style um, heavy metal and, and hard rock. So, uh, you know, bands like... Uh, yeah. maybe Queensryche and then even uh, European stuff like Halloween. And uh, and then we even go into a bit of the rock stuff with like Dokken and whatnot. So I've got a bit of that from my background. Yeah. And then Mike's cool. Mike's also, he's a bit more progressive, but um, he comes from a bit of the old school metal world as well. But the best thing about this, which fell yeah. into place, is that Mike and I have played previously together and we actually did a Dio tribute uh, show, I think it was a year after Ronnie had passed great. It's a bit of a, uh, bit of a tribute show. So we went through a whole range of right. rainbow Sabbath, Dio, uh, solo songs as well. So we've already got a bit of existing chemistry, cool. which should help quite a bit with, uh, then gelling with both you and Carmine when we get together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that should be great. You know, and that should be fine. And, uh, I, I played on some of Mike's stuff and, you know, it was pretty amazing stuff and I really enjoyed it and, uh, and his, uh, vocals and everything. Uh, it's really cool, really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, you know, we'll and we'll adapt, you know, obviously we want the thing, the show to be as, as great as possible, you know? And, uh, so, you know, I like it loud, you know, usually the way we set up is we got the drums in the front, the bass is in the middle behind the drums. So we mm. both hear you. Yep. And then we put the guitar on my right side. I'm on stage right. Gotcha. Because I like it loud. Carmine <laughs> doesn't like it so loud, you know. I'm used to fucking power, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like to feel power. And I always we always put the guitar on my side so it can crank, you know, in, uh, like a wall of sound, you know. So, okay. uh, you know, but we'll adapt and, uh, you know, listen to the songs. Don't be nervous or anything. We'll have a good time. You yeah. Know?
0: I'm really looking and forward then, to it.
1: And then, you know, depending depending on how good you guys are sometimes we go off with one you know the one is gone and start playing all over the place but we'll, we'll you'll see what happens <laughs> well,
0: well carmine actually cool. carmine's advice to me which is quite interesting was at times really sort of locking with the guitars more so than the drums, because you'll both sort of go off in a different direction yeah. and at times, you know, the bass can, can lose its spot because you're usually, I guess, traditionally that rhythm section, the bass and the drums locking in. But if you guys are both going off and right. doing your thing and going outside of the, the realms of the, the traditional song that is, then I right. guess the guitar and the bass really need to just lock in together and just wait for you guys to come yeah, back. into in.
1: Yeah. Right. Don't when when it's flying all over the place. Don't listen to us, you know? <laughs> and then, and then if obviously if we hear, we hear it's starting to pull apart, you know, one of us will go back or we'll both go back. And that, that's the whole beauty of it. You know, yeah. it's nothing really that doesn't have to be set in stone. You know, you guys want to wail on it too? go for it, you know? Yeah. So, um, could you just keep, keep, Kick each other in the ass, you know. Sounds good.
0: No, I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, On the topic of Mike Mills, um, how did, I mean, I've known Mike for quite a few years, but um, from your perspective, how did that all come about with um, recording on his last uh, EP from last year? Did Mike get in contact with you out of the blue? Uh,
1: Yeah, because I have the website and people can email me and, you know, I check the emails and stuff. And then uh, I get a lot of requests from different projects and stuff and then i'll uh I'll, I'll usually have them send some music over you know and if it's my kind of thing um and i like it i'll i'll do it so that's what happened with mike he sent me some songs, song and I'm, oh, this is really cool and some of it's m- not exactly heavy metal but it's it's good rock and uh it's more of a challenge for me to play it you know mm. so i like okay I'll, i want to do this this is this is a challenge you know to come, make this thing come alive you know so that's how we met, and then uh, I sent them um, some of the tracks, you know, and then I always send the track and, and wait for the comments, you know, just thinking, I put me in it, you know, I don't play, I don't play it so straight, I always put Vinny in it, yeah, because that's why you're called, really, Absolutely. so I'll do that, and then I'll wait for the comments, and I can always fix it, you know, punch you in the park, if it's different. You know, we need to fix it or something, you know. But I love doing that. I love doing sessions over the, that way, you know. And I'm the engineer, too. So I'm ru- I'm running it with a wireless keyboard, and I got my big screen. And I'm punching myself in. Sometimes I punch in so perfectly, I don't even need to fix it. It's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> you know? Perfect. Like, I listen to it, I go... That sounds perfect. <laughs> I mean, there's no punching noise. You know, sometimes there is punching noise, but most of the time, I get it and crash right into it where you don't even hear it. It's awesome. Well,
0: it definitely helps having that yeah. set up there and getting and you know, obviously doing it quite a bit. So you obviously are good at what you do and playing for so many years as well. Well, I used to go really to helped. a
1: friend's house. I used to go to a friend's house and he would. I would be in the control in the. In the big room and he'd be in the control room and I play and then I have to listen on the phone. Let me print it again. Let me do that. And it was just, now I can do that instantly and I can mess around a lot easier and figure out what I'm hearing that I want to play so I can experiment a lot easier and I can come up with different parts that I couldn't do with somebody in the control room. Mm. You know, it's just unbelievable. I love doing it this way. It's way better. That's cool. So, well,
0: it's, it's, um it's nice. The way that, yeah, absolutely. And it's nice the way that things have panned out with uh, Mike being able to be a part of the tour as well. So there's a bit of prior connection there that um, no doubt will help when, uh, when we all get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that should be uh, that should be killer. You know, he's a great player, and um, we're looking forward to this. Yeah, you know? yeah. I told Carmen, you know, that I played on some of Mike's stuff, and uh, pretty awesome.
0: That's cool. I'm sure he'd be happy to hear that as well. <laughs> um, oh yeah, you mentioned before about Jimmy Bain, and um, I guess from my point of view, I was I always call myself young and inexperienced, um, so I, I don't know much about anything at all, and I'm always learning, but. One thing that I haven't really experienced and you certainly have, especially in in the recent years, is that a lot of people that you've played with, and I mean most noticeably would be Ronnie and Jimmy that have both passed on, Um, going through that period of time where you've had people that you've played with that are no longer here, does it change you personally or the way that you function as a musician or as a professional or anything as such? Because from my point of view and I've been playing Oh, I guess for about 10, 15 years. I haven't really gone through these things, but no doubt later on down the track, these things will will, will no doubt happen. Um, but I'm curious, I guess from a perspective point of view, going through all these different periods and these people you know, unfortunately passing on, does it does it change? I guess, where you sit in the grand scheme of things and how you look at um, relationships or professionally as a musician?
1: Well, I never did before and then, you know, never really experienced band members, you know, actually dying, you know. So when Ronnie died, it was shocking. It was like, wow, you know, this is who who knew this day was coming, you mm. know. So... Uh, so that was, like, re- very shocking, and it seemed like everything fell apart. Like, now what's going to happen? What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. But it has this way of working out, you know? And then, you know, time heals. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, there's still playing these songs with different people because the songs are great and people want to hear them. And uh, I'm part of the songs. And so it worked out, and you just accept the fact that well, Ronnie's not going to be singing this anymore. Mm. So there's other people singing it, and uh, nobody could sing it like Ronnie, obviously. Mm. But it, it turns into something else. And when, when you got a, a really like, we got Chaz singing for us. He's a really great singer, and he really pumps it out, and uh, he's good. It just it sounds like you know it's him singing it, and not Ronnie. So and then when Jimmy died, you know that that was another shocker. And uh, you know it's Jimmy played a certain way. And it was very, uh, English style, with the sound. And he wasn't a technical bass player. He, he could plug into anything that sounded. Good. We used to say you could plug into to the microwave and play through that. And it would sound good. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the way he was. He'd come down to rehearsals, guitars, all dirty and basses. Strings haven't been changed in a month. He'd plug in and it a sound like Jimmy. It's mm. amazing. So, uh, um, it was just the way he played, the sound that he got. And, uh, you know, so now we're we're you know I'm playing with the last in line, which is the original. We started as the original Dio band with Jimmy and uh, a different singer. The singer's Andy Freeman, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he's this amazing singer. And we did a record and stuff. And then Jimmy passed, so we did gigs with Jimmy. Then we had to take some time off, and then we got Phil and He played with Ozzy, and uh, Phil, Phil fits in really well, you know. And it's a different type, a little different sound than Jimmy. And a different approach on some some of the parts. I could hear it as a drummer, but I'm, we make it work, you know. And it's real close, real close to what it should sound like. And uh, but it'll never be Jimmy playing mm, if he played mm. a certain way. That's, so it's just like to Led Zeppelin with Jason Bonham. You know, it sounds like the drum parts because he learned them, mm. but it's not John Bonham.
0: Definitely. Does it does it give you? No. I mean. So, Does it give you a different perspective now as to, I guess, the people that are still around and that you're playing with? I don't know. I I haven't experienced it myself, but I'm always curious as to, you know, when these things happen and you don't expect it to happen, whether it just dramatically sort of changes the way that you sort of look at the people that you you play with and that you've got relationships with?
1: Well, the way you look at that is you go, you know what? I'm glad everybody's here right now. One day we're not going to be here. Yeah. So, you know, you never know what can happen and uh, um it's great to know yeah. that, well, you know what? Right now we're playing, this is this is this is a great thing and, and I'm gonna enjoy it, you know. I'd be happy to go on stage every night with these guys, you know. So uh as you get older, you know, you start to think, Well shit <laughs> you start to think more, you know, how much longer is everybody gonna be around? Yeah. You know, my brother's Carmine's gonna turn seventy, he doesn't look it. And he doesn't sound it. He plays his ass off. <laughs> but You go, you know, shit. You know, when he was 60, you can go, okay, we could do this another 10 years. But, you know, he's 70. He's going to be 80 years old in 10 years. <laughs> That's going to be too old to be jumping around like crazy man, you know, traveling and shit. But he'll probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you, you do it while you can. Yeah. So you just do it while you can. Enjoy it. And uh, Team Simmons said one time, it's, an honour to walk onto that stage. It should be an honour for everybody who plays to walk on that stage and not take it for granted, Yeah, you know?
0: Absolutely. That's really yeah. cool. Um, I mean, you've, you've played with so many people over the years, especially, and the same with Carmine as well. Um, not so much your early influences, but, I mean, through the years of working with so many different musicians, were there p- particular people that... I guess, influenced you along the way, not so much in the early days, but sort of later on down the track when you were already successful and accomplished. Were there certain people that just came into your life as far as from a musician point of view and even personally that dramatically sort of changed your approach or whether it be to your playing itself or just the way that you conduct yourself professionally as a musician?
1: Well, the whole trick is when you play, you know, with different people is you can learn from everybody. And you, especially when you're young, you should go in with eyes wide open. You know, I went in and played with, uh, first the John Lennon thing, and I was like trying to be as easy going as possible and whatever, you know, whatever he, he wanted to hear I'm there, you know, and, uh, easy to work with. And then when I went with, uh, Rick Derringer, he was a true professional. He's been on the road for years, making records, had some great success. And I watched him, I went, this guy really got his shit together. You know, the word mm-hmm. professional. Every night he did a guitar solo that was flawless, never let anybody down, never partied too much and couldn't play, never sick and never. He was always there. So being in a band with him, he would never let down by that part, that member of the band. So he learned from that. Go, wow, okay. And he could teach me a lot of things in the studio, out of the studio. So all the things you go through go and. Especially with people that are uh, successful and have a career, you're going, I'm going to learn from this, you know? And then Sabbath, you know, why are they so big? Why is it that uh, we're filling arenas and shit, you know? And uh, Dio, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie, you work with Ronnie. And there's a, there's a certain procedure these guys work at, a way they do things, the way they play, and the way they look at things and deal with business. So there's always something to learn. So even when you're along in your career, um, unless you've got your own major thing going on that's totally successful, uh, there's always something to learn. Mm. So that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's
0: some something that I'm always interested in, meeting new people and whether it be, you know, performing or just, you know, socially and whatnot, I'm always looking for a new perspective or a new uh, thought or something that might just swing me in a different direction, something that I didn't know before, whether it be a technical skill or, or even just a, I don't know, just a new outlook on, on life from, from somebody else. So it's, I'm always interested to, to see the way that, um, other people have sort of picked things up as they go throughout life.
1: Yeah, that's a good good point. You know, you should do that and uh, just watch what other people do, That especially people you respect, you know. Like with, with Ronnie, you know, uh, the first gig had I been backstage and he's going, oh, shit, man, I don't feel good. Fuck, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Oh, crap, shit. You know, it would have been negative all the time. I would have went, holy shit. <laughs> I he?" that's what happened, but it was never like that. It was like, he didn't He fucking totally confident didn't warm up nothing totally total confidence and uh didn't want to let anybody down mm. went out and did 110 percent every night so you go well, shit that's the way to do it you
0: know <laughs> and, and that's, that's, what and, he that's learned. and that's yeah. that's why he was what he was and 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 even now like just with so much respect and legacy that's been been left and a lot of that would have come from just his approach i guess to well, well he
1: took He he took the time for his fans. He loved his fans. You know, one of the first things I saw was you know riding the limo outside of the arena, going back to the hotel, and it's cold out, and people are waiting for autographs. He stopped the limo, got out, and signed everything. You know, he cared about his fans. He knew people by name. He'd remember you. Mm. He took the time. He loved everybody, and that uh, built a, a strong fan base where he just you could tell he loved what he was doing he loved his fans so that's the thing to do you don't just go fuck them them. let's go to the hotel you know people waiting out in the cold the first deal tour there used to be like 50 60 people waiting for autographs in january in england Mm. and at one point there were so many people that such a we were so big that uh we were playing theaters and ronnie said okay after the show bring them in Brought them into the theater. They all sit down. We'd be upstairs, drying off, eating, whatever. And then we'd come down, sign everything, take pictures with it. But he didn't want them to wait outside because it was freezing. So always do that. And to this day, I was just in Europe. You know, I go out back onto the bus. There's a couple of people waiting, freezing their ass off. Like go, shit, you're waiting here? Yeah, sign everything, take pictures. You know, that's an important part of it. Yeah, definitely. It's security fans.
0: It's a, it can be a very small gesture, but it can go a, a long way with uh, with people as
1: far as their memories and
0: what they think. Oh of, yeah,
1: yeah. See those people next year. They go, man, you were great. You stopped and talked to me. And, you know, and buying your records and stuff. How could you not take care of them?
0: Yeah. Well, one last question. I'll wrap it up. Okay. So, apart from the Australian shows, which I'll plug in this podcast um, later on um in february what else is on the horizon for 2017 for yourself or for for the drum wars uh project what what's what's coming up in the new year
1: well for drum wars we're planning some more uh dates and uh, uh possibly going to europe with that and uh maybe in the spring so uh with that uh said uh last in line uh we just came back from europe did a month tour there and a, before that, we did a bunch of dates around California area, Reno, and places like that. And then we're going back out for some shows in, in uh, March. And then in the summer, we're going to hit some festivals in Europe. So, uh, you know, between that, I do a rock fantasy camp thing uh, that they put on about every three months. And the next one I'm doing is with Deep Purple. That's here in L.A. That's a great thing where people can... Uh, buy into the camp and get to jam with us and be in a band, and then we'll eventually play with Deep Purple live on stage. And it's a really cool thing. So I do a lot of those, about four or five of those a year too. So uh, yeah, I got I got my hands full, which is That's great. great. It's and nice. then in between that, sessions, clinics, everything I love. Cool. I love playing.
0: And another busy another busy year ahead. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I'll let you go. Thanks so much, and um, no doubt we'll be in touch via email between now and uh, when you guys arrive yeah. in the country and um, absolutely. Yeah,
1: any questions, uh, keep us number. Yeah. yeah. And then any questions with the songs out to get into January, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch and stuff.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, It'll be good. all the best and uh, we'll speak soon and uh, very excited to uh, to be playing with you guys next year.
1: All right, Andy. Nice talking to you, brother. Okay. I'll see you soon, all right? All Have right. a happy holiday. Yeah, you
0: too. To you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Vinny. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that one. As I always say, it was um really really cool. I'm just I'm recording this literally after I got off the phone with Vinny, and um, the same with Carmine last week. Um, just lost for words and a bit of a pinch your mo pinch yourself uh, moment. Um, I I come from a background where you know. Performing and being a musician and whatnot, and I haven't really done a lot of the the whole interview style things. And I've been lucky that I've met a lot of my heroes over the years, um, either playing shows with them or just meeting them at you know a festival or a show, or whatever it might be. But um, to to be able to talk candidly, and I guess it is an interview, um, but I like to try and spin them as more of a conversation than an interview but to be able to talk on that sort of level and have a little bit of time one-on-one with somebody um like Vinny and and carmine is just it's incredible and this will be one of those moments that um that I'll, I'll treasure for, for a long time. And, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's great for this podcast. Um, it's not something I would normally do. Um, but just given the links and what, and the association I have with the, the tour in February, um, I thought it was a great opportunity to, to have uh, these guys featured on the podcast. So really, really cool. Um, now as of recording this right now, I haven't done the episode yet, so I'm not 100%, but hopefully next week will be Mike Mills. I thought that would be the perfect way to put all the musicians together that are going to be part of this tour and do uh, consecutive weeks of uh, talking to each person. So I'm going to be in Melbourne in a few days' time, so I'm hoping that it will all fall into place and Mike and I will be able to have a chat and that will be um, up and for your listening pleasure, in about a week's time. If not, there'll probably be somebody else, and uh, you know we'll keep plotting along the way that we're going. But uh, thank you so much for everybody that's been supporting this podcast. Thank you for giving this podcast a shot if this is your first time. Uh, Drum Wars, the Apathy Brothers tour, it's in February in Australia, in Sydney and Melbourne. It, their clinics and shows. You can find all the information at hardlinemedia.net. Um, you can also search for it on the social media cha- channels, especially Facebook, all the info's on there as well. But very quickly, it starts Thursday, February 16th in Sydney at the Factory Theatre. That's the Drum Clinic. The following night, the 17th at the same venue will be the Drum Wars show. Then on Saturday, February 18th, we'll be at Max Watts in Melbourne. That'll be the Drum Wars show. And then Sunday will be the Drum Clinic in Melbourne. Sunday, February nineteenth at Croxton Park. So, if you're a drummer and you love the Appassie Brothers, you love what they do. Highly recommend you go. You go to the clinics, especially and the shows as well. Um, if you're just an Appassie fan or you're a fan of the bands that they've been a part of over the years. I recommend just going to as many of these things as possible and maybe making a weekend out of it and getting on a plane and and traveling either up to Sydney or down to Melbourne. Um, we'll be we'll be doing it, we'll be uh, around so it'd be cool to to see some of you guys and um, and experience uh, the Apogee Brothers show with uh, with all of you people as well. So um hardlinemedia.net I'll continue to plug uh, tickets and the tour in future episodes leading up to the shows in February. And um, that's about it. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm everywhere. you just search for Andy Dowling. and any way that you guys can support the podcast will be greatly appreciated. Until next week, take care guys and thank you so much for the support later. You're ready you're
1: ready.